Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host. Uh, with me this week, I've got Adam. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you very much. Uh, and I've got Emma as well. Come on, you got to do a voice. Uh, I've got to do the voice, have I? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I'm not the one who does the impressions, but the problem is that if you do the impressions, it's worse, isn't it? So Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I kind of ruined it and made it abundantly clear that Emma's not here now. <laughs> As if you could have kept it going for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, brilliant. Uh, right, well, this week we're going to talk about the Carabao Cup games that have happened this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Spanish Supercopa games, Premier League coming, coming on this weekend as well. So we will start at um, Old Trafford. I've written quite a bit down for this because I was listening to Paul and Ed on the Manchester United Rankcast while I was writing this. So uh, Manchester United 1, Manchester City 3, uh, Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez and an own goal from Andreas Pereira. Uh, Manchester City went into half-time 3 and look, Marcus Rashford scored in the second half. Um, it's 3-1. Are Manchester City going to regret not putting this tie to bed in 90 minutes' time? Um, it's the League Cup, so there's only so much regret, right? <laughs> okay. Were they? I mean, they lost earlier on this season, didn't they? Um, they did, yeah. To United. So it's terrible. United have played. Not beyond the realms of possibility, is it? No, no, not at all. Um, I think it's incredibly clutching at Strawsy, but yeah. It's, and I don't think that, that away goals count, do they? Do they have some sort of? Batshit crazy rule where they apply after extra time or something like that. Oh, is it some sort of Douglas Lewis, Duckworth Lewis thing, is it? Yeah, it's like they don't apply until they do apply, and then they apply, and then who knows? I think they don't apply. I think you end up with extra time, but I think it makes it harder to have penalties, which makes extra time pointless. It's the worst, but it's the worst of both worlds. Uh, okay. But this is good. Cool, I could be making this all up. <laughs> you could have dreamt this. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So City played this sort of four-four-two uh, with Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne as a false nine. So say people on podcasts where they know what they're talking so you're about. You're calling it a four-four-two, are you? That's what the BBC called it. Wow. Well, I've seen others call it a four-three-three. Have you seen what the BBC puts out for Garth Crooks' team of the week? So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, probably he did that. Um, but it's, yeah. just like, it's just on other podcasts I heard. I think I heard them try to describe it, and they used about five different formations were basically that whole sort of like when does a four, four when does a four four two become a four four one one become a four three two a four two three one become a four three three like who knows I think I think uh knowing peppers we do he probably wouldn't like he'd probably prefer you to refer to it as some sort of four three three I imagine. Yeah. I mean, he's scored in the Dutch ways after all. 
Yes, he's a master at the um, no strikers, isn't he? Him and uh, Craig Levine for Scotland manager. Different different strokes, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Manchester United booed off at half time. Um, it's not looking great for them, is it? Um, City's seventh win in ten visits to Old Trafford. Apparently, it was so bad at half time it turned Alex Ferguson to drink. Did it? Yeah, which I imagine is difficult to do. He doesn't look like a man here. He's not going to Ricky Tomlinson nose, is he? Apparently he walked off and apparently he's still got an office at Old Trafford and he walked off and locked himself in his office and started drinking wine on his own. Did he? Yeah. If reports to be believed. How come he's still got an office? <laughs> it's probably, it's probably, um, he probably didn't have one until Shawshar came in and it's like <laughs> a parking space. So Shawshar took everything back as it was. <laughs> I imagine that, I imagine it is, it, that Shawshar works in Ferguson's office in the corner where everything <laughs> else is just as it was wrapped in plastic. <laughs> um, so uh, a few st- sort of financial statistics about Manchester City, uh, Manchester United. Um, Ed Woodward earned £3.1 million last season. Uh, Phil Jones is on 120 grand a week. Ashley Young is on 120 grand a week. One matter, 160. Luke Shaw, 150, and Nemanja Matic, 120,000 pounds per week. Um, if they do get Poch in the summer, there are huge changes that are probably beyond his capabilities that uh, are required. So you're ruling out, you're getting rid of the manager immediately, are you? For Solskjaer. Okay, for Solskjaer. I don't know if we get rid of Solskjaer immediately. I mean, they've got that thing, haven't they, where they wait until Champions League qualification is an absolute no-no, where they'd have to pay him some sort of bonus. Um, but then you've got to weigh that up against the cost of missing out in the Champions League. So you might as well get rid of him now and then see if you get a new manager bounce into it. Right. So here are my, here are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. My, my thoughts are that they should never should have hired Solskjaer in the first place and they backed themselves into a stupid corner where his results were so good at the beginning but they kind of forced themselves into the, into this situation that they didn't want. Um, the whole situation at Manchester United is clearly re- relatively toxic. Uh, as you said, the squad needs a lot of, needs a huge overall overhaul. Um, and <clears throat> you maybe need, and well, some people say that that Solskjaer isn't... People will knock Solskjaer, right? Saying that he's not up to it tactically. So, <laughs> if we were to give him some slight credit, we would say that he's got Man United playing quite well on the counter-attack, right? As a counter-attacking team, they're quite efficient. If you go back to his earlier periods of last season, when he was getting them... He got them... If you look at the PSG game, for example, he got them compact. He was very good at coaching them to be compact defensive and he basically tactically outfought Tuchel in that game and and helps them them win that. So there's an argument to say he can do that. Is he doing the best with what the tools that he's got? He's got a, a squad of relatively young pacing forwards try and play on the counter-attack. Or are these the sort of the limitations of him tactically? Because if the, that's the case, then this is as good as maybe as good as it gets, and you're never going to challenge Klopp and Guardiola like that because football isn't played re- reactive football and counter-attacking football isn't going to 
they'll make you into a good team, right? You can be seventh in the Premier League playing that, maybe sixth. But if you aspire to something better than that, and to eat at the very, very top table of European football, you need to be playing uh, a more adventurous style of football. Mm. The other side of that would be that there's a huge, like we said, there's a huge squad overhaul needed at Manchester United. Uh, realistically, how many, how quickly can you do those sort of things? How many sort of big changes do you say you can maybe make each summer? What, three or four players? Five? That's five. That's five names I've reeled off there. That's not including uh, Jesse Lingard without an assist or a goal at Old Trafford in a gazillion years, and Pogba might or might not want to be there, and or Pogba might or might not be there by the end of January. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking sort of seven, eight players, aren't we? But but, but what I was about to say is like realistically, how quickly can you churn a squad over like that? It's, it does take. To, that's why when. When these managers talk about having projects and things like this, it does take time because you can't. In the history of football, no no top club has ever gone out and bought seven relatively big name players and slotted them into the team and been successful quickly. Mm. So then you go back to Solskjaer and you say, right, so what has he done in that regard? Well, he bought he made three signings in the summer and have they not all been relatively Relative successes. Maguire, Wambasaka, and and Daniel James. Um, well, well, he hasn't missed on any of them. No, okay. He's not gone and he's not gone and spent <clears throat> pound on a on. I know he obviously spent eighty, but he's not gone and signed uh, Lindelof and then decided he didn't like him after less than six months. He's not gone and signed Eric Bailly and decided that he can't play football. No. Oh, well, I mean, have they improved as players? Have who, who improved? Those, are those three players he bought, have they improved as players under his tutelage? Um, well, Dan, you have to, you'd have to say that Daniel James has improved, right? Because he's yeah. scoring and creating goals in the Premier League yeah. when he was playing in the Championship last season. Um, I actually think that def- if you, I think Manchester United's defensive stats are actually relatively good if you look at them across the league. I think they are up there or at least were as one of the, uh, in terms of goals conceded, they're probably going to be up there as one of the top two or three teams in the league. How would that compare with shots faced, though? Um, look, I'm not doing that. I've not got some advanced XG stats. No, I, I, I'm not suggesting you have. But I'm suggesting is that goals conceded good because of the defence or because of the goalkeeper? Well, I, I would say that if you were looking at it... Um, if you're just using your eyes at the moment, I wouldn't say that David De Gea was the reason that Manchester United have been keeping been keeping clean sheets for the last 18 months. Okay. Personally, like just if you're looking anecdotal, maybe the numbers that back, don't back that up. But I know that we were sat we would have sat here three years ago and probably been talking to Justin about XG numbers where David De Gea was exceeding his his XG by like. 1.5 goals compared to one to 0.6 of the nearest player, and I would be surprised if that's the same case now. Mm. The point I'm trying to get at is, <clears throat> Shoujo has limited resources, and he's got the well limited resources in, in the players that he has, okay. not in the money to spend, but he he only has the players he's got. Okay. Everyone everyone saying that he has to turn us that there's a squad that needs to be turned over. And he, he's hit on the player. In my opinion, he's hit on the players he's brought in. Yeah. 
I still think they should get rid of him, but I'm saying that I think you can put... To, if you're internally inside Manchester United, it's easy to put forward a case and say, maybe he's not playing the most attacking football, but he's playing a type of football that works with what he's got. He's The players he's bringing in are improving the squad. If we give him time to do carry on doing that, the squad will improve. Once he's improved the squad, can he then play the type of football we want him to see? Hey, I wouldn't stick with him and give him that opportunity, but I can see why a a, a team of a board would. You can see why chief executive on three point one million pounds, who's presided here for the last seven or eight years over this failure, would well, want other, a full guy like that. The other the other problem is yeah, is who's making the decisions, and and what is you've just called it a failure. What is a failure for Manchester United? Uh, I mean, yes, you're right. They won your open league. I agree with you. But are they still, essentially, do they still make more money than they pay in, 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 are they paying off their debt or are they starting to lose money? Because until that happens, the owners aren't going to worry about it. They've not, they're not paying off. I've, I've listened to the Price of Football podcast this week. I've been binge listening to that. So I'm trying to remember what they said about Manchester United. They are so, paying off their debt. They are? Okay. No. They are paying off their debt. Um, I can't remember exactly what they said, to be honest. I only, li- I only listened about three days ago. Go on, they were paying about- off their debt to begin with because when they first took over, yeah. the interest rates on the loans were so high, so they were just paying off their interest. That's right. But they've now got to a stage where they've been able to... a couple. They've refinanced a couple of times. Their interest payments are significantly lower, so they're paying back some of the principal of the debt as well as the interest now. But successive years out of the Champions League won't attract any sponsors. No, which is what I'm saying. It, yeah, it's a waiting game. When when the Adidas deal runs out, when the Chevrolet deal which runs out, then we'll see. Did you hear, have you listened to those Price of Football podcasts? Some of them. Have you heard the Manchester United one? Um, Chevrolet emblazoned on the front of the Manchester United shirt for the last several years. Oh, with years. the 24th club, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cars. So for any listeners, uh, Chevrolet, when they started the Manchester United contracts, uh, sold 11,000 Chevrolet cars in the United Kingdom that year. Uh, last year, they sold 23. That's not 23,000. That is 23 cars. I, I think you're doing a disservice. I thought it was 24. Oh, 24. Sorry. An extra car somewhere. Yeah. Um, as part of all this, you wanted to talk about Ashley Young and Inter Milan, didn't you? So there's, what is going on? <laughs> because... <laughs> He's, so he's 34. He's yeah. club captain. Yeah. Been there for a very long time. Schol- yeah. Schultz trying to offer him a contract extension, which goes in, which completely blows everything I just said for the last five minutes out of the water because that's mental. But he is now refusing to, or asking not even to be included in squads because he wants to run his contract, doesn't even want to be on the bench. Listen but he's to club it. captain. What? Listening to Ed and Paul on the United podcast, they were, I think they were saying that he's got a very short amount of time left in his contract. So he was talking to Inter Milan, as you can do with six months left in your contract. Manchester United, who haven't offered him a contract, um, suddenly realised that they were going to lose their asset, then decided to offer him a one-year extension. And he said, well, no, why should I? Because you've not offered me one till now. It's only now I'm talking to somebody else that you are. I've been here 10 years. I'm club captain. I deserve to be treated with a bit more respect. So I don't even want to play for you anymore. It sounds like he essentially has agreed to deal with Inter Milan now. Well, yeah, I should imagine he doesn't want to play for Manchester because he doesn't want to break his leg. Mm. 
But yeah. how have you got to this? Like, how, since when did Manchester United become Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, again, this is a... Uh, I don't think this is an Ollie issue. Possibly not entirely an Ollie issue. This is an administrative issue. This goes higher up to him to Woodward again. Well, I would, I would also beg to beg, uh, be asking questions of why you've all of a sudden decided that you need a 34-year-old or what will be a 35-year-old Ashley Young. Yeah, he's not actually a fullback, is he? By trade, he's a winger. Sounds like you'd identified that he, he could go and now someone else wants him, so you've decided you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't fancy that girl, but oh, she, no, you're not going out with I tell you, whether they've decided that because it's Milan, and I don't know whether they've had any, um, bear in mind they've sold them Sanchez and Lukaku, so whether there was any animosity following those deals between the two clubs over the way those deals were negotiated. And as soon as he said, I'm going to win to Milan, he's going, oh, we don't want you going there. I don't know. Surely, um, surely Inter Milan are doing them anything that involves Alexis (laughs) a favour. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so, oh, one last thing before we move off this game. Phil Jones, uh, defended by Robbie Savage. Um, what? <laughs> somehow. Uh, Phil Jones was um, given the runaround for the third goal, the Pereira own goal, by uh, Kevin De Bruyne. <sighs> to be fair, a lot of people are going to get given the runaround by Kevin De Bruyne. They are, yeah, and being turned around like that is... Uh, you know, it's not um, it's not an unusual thing for Kevin De Bruyne to do that to you. There was also earlier on in the second or later on in the second half, he was he got the ball and then he sort of lost it to it might have been De Bruyne again and he's chasing around the corner flag in front of the away fans uh, and he sort of pulls up holding his hamstring and you think this is a 27 year old man who looks barely any great, you know, he doesn't look any fitter than me or you eating all them chicken wings. So he, he, he doesn't look like he helps himself, but I can understand. I was first... at the gym at seven o'clock this morning. I learned this. Oh, yeah. Well, I certainly wasn't. Um, yeah, so I, I can understand the first goal, him being given the run around by Kevin De Bruyne, because people will, and because he fell on the floor, and because it's Phil Jones and he makes funny faces, people have sort of laid it on extra thickly with him. But the thing, the thing is that, so Manchester United are a basket case from beginning, from top to bottom. Yeah, if you there, are, I I couldn't remember the details now, but there, so often I see from the myriad of different sort of like parts of football Twitter that I follow, where you have people talking about how their medical team is like they've basically been left behind in lots yeah. of different things. Like they don't have certain, they don't have a, they don't have a nutritionist on staff. They just use consultants. They don't have this. They don't have that. And. That's kind of evident, right, in how they've got an out. I know he's only just coming back from injury, but they've got Phil, Phil Jones playing what sounds like relatively out of condition. You've got Harry Maguire, who a week ago was out for two months and is now going to play again, play on Saturday. Well, and Paul Pogba talking about getting treatment as advised by his people as well. So maybe there's a reason why he's going to his people. Yeah, and being, off in, and being off injured for all that time. Yeah. And then having an operation only a week this week. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, OK. Uh, well, Manchester United next day are at home to Norwich and the Dion Dublin di- uh, derby. Um, as I say, Harry Maguire is a doubt or he might be playing. Nobody quite actually knows. Uh, Norwich are seven points behind 17th place. Um, but Manchester United have lost three out of their last five versus teams starting in the bottom three. Uh, is this a gimme for United? 
I had to add that just in case. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's it. Um, remind me, was it Old Trafford? Is it Old Trafford? Yes. But I mean, again, does that mean anything? I mean, I've got no confidence on picking Manchester United in any game ever anymore. No. Which is weird, having grown... I mean, you've, you've had it all your life. I've had it from about sort of 14, 15 years old. Of them sort of steamrolling everybody that if we were doing a podcast back in the 90s, there wouldn't be a week goes by where we wouldn't predict the Manchester United win. And it seems very strange now to be thinking, Norwich at home, could they win that? <laughs> Whereas I generally would be more... Um, more, I would give them more of a chance if they were saying, like, Chelsea at home. Yeah. Well, I probably could win that. Yeah. Norwich, oh, <laughs> probably just going to defend and keep you out, right? Well, Norwich might end up doing the same thing. If you're any team with any sense against United, you just let them have the ball. Yeah. So, yeah. but whether Daniel Fark, whether, you know, whether that's Fark ball or not, I, I'm not too sure he's... he's so, we're saying, so we're saying last match of the day after the Sheffield United game. I do we could be, couldn't we? <laughs> I don't think Marcus United are ever going to be last on match. <laughs> Imagine the outrage. Um, Marcus Rashford scored 16 goals. That's the joint best for any season of his. Um, he's their one sort of shining light, isn't he? I mean, their sort of trident of attacking, of quick attacking play, like there's something to build on there. Mm. Like, and Marcus Rashford is showing himself to be maybe a little bit more than the player that some people thought that he he was going to be and there is something to build on there you're right yeah right we spent 20 minutes talking about or 21 minutes talking about Manchester United let's not keep doing this um we talked about other things sure I'm sure we did I don't think we have Ugh. Manchester City we'll keep talking about them because they're playing Aston Villa uh Villa have won two out of the last three in the Premier League uh City won four out of five um Villa there have lost their last 11 against currently I, champions. I am confident that Man City will win. I'm more confident in Man City than I am in Manchester United. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and since 2011, Sergio Aguero scored 31 goals versus promoted teams. Although the overwhelming thought I have about this fixture is um, Joe Hart being beaten from a goal kick about five years ago. Do you remember this? No. Manchester United, oh, sorry, City were winning and then I think they lost 3-2 and I think the winner came from a goal kick. Joe Hart was in front of the, the whole end and it was about the time where he was going through all those ricks that eventually saw him drop from the team and then bringing in Claudio Bravo, weirdly. Um, and it was a huge goal kick from Brad Guzan, went lumping over everybody. That can't have been when they bought in Claudio Bravo. That must have been when they bought in, like, was it Pantillamon? Because Claudio Bravo replaced Joe Hart when... Guardiola came in and then he went off Maybe to... Was, yeah. And I Maybe. can't be pulling you up on this stuff because I was oh. going to be for ages. I know when it was because we had Laura on the podcast because when they had Willie Caballero and I remember saying to her, do you think that he would be thinking with his heart or thinking with his Willie? Um, and um, it was a long goal kick. Joe Hart came bouncing out of his area and missed it completely and I think it might have been like Gabby Abonlahor or something tapped in from about three yards out. Oh, no, right. so it wasn't actually from a goal kick. No, sorry. It wasn't, no, it was like a... One touch from a goal kick, uh, but I, like you say, I can't see anything other than a City win. Um, Villa though had that one-one draw against Leicester, didn't they? Uh, they took the lead uh, through Gilbert uh, and Kalichi Iheanacho equalised after Robin um, Douglas Louise in midfield. Um, I think Leicester had 21 shots against Aston Villa's three. 
Uh, Gareth Southgate was there pretty much, I think, to see James Madison versus Jack Grealish, which isn't a bad thing to watch. If you're going to watch the League Cup, right, at least have something interesting about it. I love Jack Grealish. He's a wonderful footballer. Uh, I just hope there's room for, I don't know, him and Madison in the England team. Well, Madison can't get in the England team as well at the moment, can he? can't play both. If you can't even put, play both of them, especially. <laughs> what is this lunacy? Can you have two number 10s? Oh, Pep can do it. I'm, I'm, we'll talk about this afterwards. This is too, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make you try and list that team. Yeah, okay. Like uh, seven pieces of me put team with like 14 players in it. <laughs> uh, okay, so next uh, for Leicester, then they're at home to Southampton and the Matt Oakley derby. Uh, this is the 9 0 one as well, with no Wilfred and Dini this time. Um, the most goals scored versus a single team in a Premier League season is 12. Blackburn did it against Forest in 95 96. Spurs did it against Wigan in 2009 10. Uh, you reckon Leicester could win 4 0? Um, no, no, I don't think they could. Southampton have bounced back since that performance. Uh, surely, if you if you're a Southampton player, you've got any sort of pride, you are going to want to give them an absolute hiding. I know you like you're going to be more motivated for this game than any nearly any game you've ever been motivated for, you've ever played, right? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Southampton pulled something out of the bag here. No, I think you're right. They've only conceded 13 and 11 games since that defeat, um, which is the third best behind Leicester and Liverpool. Um, so. They're on an upward trajectory, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, but at the same time, like this is a, a like a lesser team that's well, they they're getting Jamie Vardy back, aren't they? Like, I, look, <clears throat> Leicester have been playing. Leicester have had a slight slump over sort of Christmas and over the Christmas period where they had they basically came up against Man City and Liverpool. Like, shit happens. Mm. But it's about now seeing how quickly they can put that behind them and carry on with what they had, whether they can sort of go again and go on another run, because they're not going to be playing Man City and Liverpool for a little while now. Or does their form start to become a bit more patchy? Do they And do they start to slightly fall away a little bit? This will be the first sort of test of that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these players, they're one the league didn't they with Leicester in 2016 and they had that game where they lost to Arsenal on Valentine's Day didn't they, in the last minute and they recovered for that incredibly well so they have got that sort of mental fortitude about them haven't they um this game though in fantasy football team news has got the two strikers with the best conversion rate this season Jamie Vardy 35% and Danny Ings 27% what are their shots on shots on target or shot total shots or what total shots are turned into goals oh. There was a there was a stat for a long time. It can't be true now, but and I, I, in fact I know it's not true. But like for like six seven weeks into the season, where every shot Jamie Vardy had on target had gone in. Yeah. It was like it was a little bit like the opposite of that that um, that Manuel Neuer stat when Pep was at Bayern, where like if every shot on target had gone in, um, Bayern still would have still would have won the league or something like it. Yes. <laughs> goal no point in goalkeepers being there. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, okay, right, so we'll move on to other news. Okay, so in Saudi Arabia, there's the Supercoppa, uh, Barcelona 2, Atletico Madrid 3. Um, 
Barcelona with two one up with ten minutes left uh, and lost thanks to goal, goals from Koke, uh, a Morata penalty, and uh, a career goal which um, split that Barcelona past him, split the Barcelona defence in two, and I think maybe Neto in goal could have done a little bit better. Um, have you seen the highlights from this? I have, but what I think you just kind of answered answered my my own question by telling me. But I'll just pick it again. Who was in goal? Neto. Glorified friendly, isn't it? I was wondering because Neto, I saw Neto playing the league not so long ago, so I'm wondering if Stegen is injured. Oh, well, Yvette, why don't we ask Emma? I could do. It's not definitely not the first time this season that I've seen him in goal. It's the first time recently I've seen him in goal. Um, but yeah, it's it was even goal. Did you see Messi and Joe Felix have a go at each other? Uh, I did. Yes. Uh, apparently, Joe Felix said Ronaldo is a better player than you. <laughs> Well, Joe Felix is wrong. Well, he is. They're obviously wound <laughs> Messi up a little bit. Uh, and apparently um, reports that the Barcelona hierarchy, while in the Middle East, took it upon themselves to go and sound out Xavi, uh, who's manager managing in Qatar, uh, about taking over from Ernesto Valverde. Well, that, things, are, things are inevitable to happen. I'm really annoyed now to Stegen was injured. Was he? OK. Yeah. He's not a bad keeper, Neto. He's, he's done very well. Still glorified friendly though, isn't it? And even more glorified friendly when they turned what is essentially the Spanish Community Shield into a into a something that now has four teams in it. Yes, I was trying to figure that's out. That's new for this well. year. Yeah. I don't know how they picked the other two teams. Was it the cup finalists? And oh, who knows? I suppose Madrid came second, and Valencia lost to Barcelona in the cup, or somebody in the cup, or who maybe knows? they won the cup. Who, yeah. who who even cares? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, Xavi been sounded out um, about the job. I did ask Emma about this, and she said apparently um, the Spanish, uh, so the Barcelona hierarchy, were actually going to Qatar to sound, see how Musa Dembele is getting on. Oh, sorry, Usman Dembele is getting on with his uh, recovery from injury. So I did say it's possible to do more than one thing in a country. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Which she went, oh, I suppose so. Um, I everyone for a long time has it kind of ex- even when he was. I think when he was. Uh, Playing at Barcelona, it was kind of a, it just taken for granted that one day Javi is going to be Barcelona, a Barcelona manager. Yeah, but we've already talked, haven't we, about um, this episode about a club legend uh, who managing in a significantly lower quality league coming and taking over the job. So it's not we a have. guarantee, is it? We have. It's not. No, no, no one said it's a guarantee. I'm saying it's a guarantee it's going to happen. Mm. I'm not saying there's a guarantee it's going to be a success. <laughs> OK, fair enough. Uh, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and you were saying there was two games played this week there uh, in Saudi Arabia. The other game was uh, Valencia 1, Real Madrid 3. Uh, probably noticeable for the opening goal was an Olympic goal by Tony Cruz, straight from a corner. A what? An Olympic goal. Is that what oh, they're called? Is that what they're called read, in, in the 60s? You've read Jonathan Wilson books. Oh, can't remember that one. Uh, back in the 1930s, I think it was, uh, someone scored a goal straight from a corner at the Olympics, and since then it's been called an Olympic goal. Good to know. Um, yeah. Um, you don't see it every day. He was shooting. He was definitely shooting. The goalkeeper was six yards off his line. Yeah. More players should do it. Oh, definitely. Uh, the Modric goal was lovely as well, wasn't it? The outside of his boot. Yes, I the, the, the Modric goal was my favourite of all yes. of the goals. It was lovely. Um. Yeah, so uh, speaking of uh, goals sort of given titles, um, do you remember for a few weeks there was something called a Jewish goal? 
No. Which was, uh, imagine the ball is about to dribble over the line. Uh, it's definitely going to go in. No defender or goalkeeper will The Calvert-Lewin goal from what Dominic yes. has done. And, and somebody else goes and steals the goal. Somebody else goes and taps it over the line. Apparently that's got a Jewish goal because you're stealing it. But yeah, that's um, thankfully not called that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, something else you wanted to talk about. FA Cup um, being streamed on betting websites. So the start of last season, the FA sold um, online FA Cup rights to a company called IMG. Uh, who then sold them on to seven betting sites. Um, apparently, the FA didn't know that IMG were going to do this, but surely you put a clause in any contract with them saying you mustn't sell these to any betting companies. Um, the thing, the thing but, that uh, it doesn't bother me about this story. I'm not really bothered about it. I don't, don't think it's, it's obviously not ideal for anyone, right? But like you said, this was happened. I think I believe they sold them at the beginning of two thousand and was it seventeen? Yes. And then people were like going, but they came out and said that they're gonna don't want anything to do with betting companies. Yeah. In the middle of two thousand seventeen. Um. So it clearly wasn't on their radar at this point. And life is like when you're an organisation like this, you're going to have sort of contractual obligations that you have to let play out. Um. And just got that it seemed a bit weird journalism that they kind of waited for all this time and then went oh this is a i only just noticed this now i think he was on a back burner until the whole mental health thing in the fa cup this week but what are they supposed to do what's the solution to that like they can grab they are contractually obligated to do some for something mm. At a later point, something's become an issue. Are they supposed to then just not do anything about mental health until the con? Like that's like saying, "Well, we just won't do this mental health thing until the contract expires." Uh, no, maybe you have a bit of foresight two years ago when you're selling these rights to think, maybe with these IMG people, and what would they do with these rights? That that's very true. That is very true. But at that point, we were talking about like for all his woes, and you listen like Joey Bar, like when Joey Barton talks about it, like. The the FA's caring about betting and betting in football in 2017 was what little to zero. Yeah. Um, and it's everywhere, isn't it? In betting, maybe we, I've been listening to podcasts this week talking about how terrible this is. And people on the podcast work for Talk Radio, which is obviously got betting advertisers working with it as well. So. Well, I remember. I'm not sure what podcast. It's probably the same podcast where they were talking about reading articles about how bad this is that had adverts for gambling at the bottom of the advert yeah like it is everywhere yeah it, yeah the genie is out isn't it yeah so unfortunately uh okay so <clears throat> uh well apparently the betting companies um did not seek exclusivity uh and are quite happy with the fa who are now in negotiations with bt sport or the bbc to stream online as well and everyone's happy again there we go. This week's T Corp has uh, been stormed. And everything is right with the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so um, a fan has been banned from attending football matches for five years for racially abusing Raheem Sterling. Uh, we'll name him because he's, we're able to. Uh, his name's Ian Baldry, and he himself is a Manchester City fan. Which I found very odd. I found very odd. I found well. odd about this story. Manchester City fan. Yeah. Only five years. 
Yes. Exactly. Nothing else to say on that matter. Yeah. Uh, and also the Antonio Rudiger uh, Tottenham Hotspur racism uh, incident has been dropped by, or the investigation has been dropped by Spurs and the police. Basically, the the police, yeah, uh, what annoyed me about this was sort of the internet's reaction to, which essentially then went that whole classic sort of, well, he was lying then. Like, yeah. The, the, the two, <laughs> two things, are, like, the, that's the kind of binary world we live in. It couldn't have been anything in between. Yeah. Couldn't have been one person who was yeah. they struggled to identify. I yeah, I was I wasn't dubious about it because you have to believe these people when they say these things. But within seconds of Fred being racially abused at Manchester United, this guy's telephone number and Facebook profile and job and blah 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 and pictures were all over the internet. There wasn't anything like that with this case. And it made me think that maybe He'd obviously misheard it as something else and the incident never took place. I... Mm, I'm not sure because I, I thought it was very pointed when you see Rudiger and he's making the, he's doing the sign, mm. like the signs, isn't he, as well? Mm. Um, look, I, I, I'm inclined to believe Rudiger may have happened. I think that the Manchester United fan, whether well, they're all idiots, but a particular idiot because he did this in the corner mm. where there are cameras, like, there Which are television cameras pointed at you. Yeah, like, city, he was a City fan, not United fan. Sorry. The, at the, yeah, the City fan at the Manchester United game. Like, yeah. You're doing it where the TV audiences are seeing you, not just... If you're doing it in some indiscreet sideline, 40 yards up the pitch, and yeah. Rudiger hears you playing on off, while he's trying to push up for an offside, you're going to be hard... Like, you shouldn't be impossible to spot. They should, like... I. I I would have thought that just the the stuff at these grounds was sort of state of the art, but it's going to be harder, right? Going to no. be harder. I don't think Rudiger has done anything wrong in all of this. He's obviously heard something or thought he's heard something, and he's done the right thing. The fact that the investigation has shown something else is by the by. And look, I would feel that it has to. I don't know. I don't, look, we can't be in Rudiger's head. I feel that it has to go beyond sort of thought I heard something right because surely uh, I you'd like to think not like to you're in a crowd of fifty thousand people but my first my first instinct would be was that a monkey uh probably wasn't not I'm not gonna go that's definitely a monkey chan so you're gonna think it's gonna have to be like on the scale of certainty he's gonna have to be quite far up there until he starts going around making the accusations that he did Mm. uh I was uh, upset by the internet's res- response, but not surprised. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Carlo Ancelotti spoke to Fabian Delph about his social media interaction um, after the Liverpool game. Let me just try and find that, because I did find some of it earlier. Um, he basically posted on Instagram the whole, you know, we go again, blah, 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 blah. Uh when was this? Because I took a week off football last week. I didn't, <laughs> didn't watch any of the FA Cup. Did you not? I watched one game of the FA Cup. I'm not going to... We don't need to go into the details of which one it was. <laughs> and oh, we I do. was um, incredibly angered by it. Okay, I can't find the... Tra- I'm trying to find the transcripts. So, go on. You, he, basically, um... he, basically called someone out, he basically called someone out, right? After someone had a go at him. 
Yes, yeah, he basically did. Yeah, basically, someone replied to his Instagram post. It was like one of those sort of management speak, we go again, hashtag EFC sort of things. And someone replied saying, You don't, you know, go fuck yourself or something, they said. And then he said, You'd never tell me that to my face. He went, I would. Um, <laughs> and he said, And then the fan went on to say, You've been here for half a season. Don't tell me you care as much. Don't tell me you're hurting or care as much as I do, which is a fair point. But they're perfect, like, some players are just going to be professional, right? And I'm, I'm not really... Like, professional athletes don't like it when they lose. What, do they have to... Like, what do fans want? I don't understand what they want. Like, because... Imagine if we'd sat in another world where, like, half the squad, or just no one, no one says it, just Seamus Coleman or someone puts that post. They'd be like, well, what's wrong with the other ten of them? Why, like... I suggest you could put your original post out, but then don't reply to the replies. I mean, maybe he hurts so much, that's why he replied, to be fair to him. So. Maybe he's that upset about the whole situation that he felt, I oh, know, I'm going to reply to this person and tell him I, I care because I do. I don't appreciate being called a liar. So he, it might be how he sees it. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, you wanted to talk about the fact that the Everton fans um, had a day trip to, um, what's it called? Something Farm, where you Finch guys from? Finch Farm, yes. Go on, have another. What is this? Argentina? Naples? What are they doing? <laughs> it's very unusual for this country for something like that to happen. The only time I remember it previously was when Wayne Rooney nearly joined Manchester City and the fans turned up at his house. Right. At his house as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit creepy. Someone's got a copy of the electoral roll and had a look. I like the fact, I, I find it funny that they turned up on a day that all the players were, not, were having a day off. <laughs> they come in to have out with the players or they're not here yeah it, it was the director of football that was there or something yeah like what do you think uh, I mean there's nothing wrong with shows they care about or is slightly mental behaviour uh, I do wonder why these people aren't at work uh, and that's not a scouser's joke that's a sort of where do people find time to do these things um, it shows you care and it shows you want to find people accountable um, because as much as the players not playing very well there are, I imagine there are other structural issues at Everton and maybe they would have thought I'll get a chance to speak to them um, I think it's quite brave of the director of football to from to, I mean talk to these people these people are obviously very angry and he's one man talking to a, a whole group of them so well done to him. I've taken part in a fan protest before. I was at Leicester City in the mid-1990s when um, Martin O'Neill had just joined and Leicester had gone on some w- winless run of about 12 games. And I stayed behind to protest with the fans after the game. Admittedly, I didn't have to go anywhere. I was already at the game. Um, and the chairman, Martin George, saw a delegation of about 12 City fans. Um, he brought them into his office and, and talked to them. Um, and that season, Leicester got promoted. Were you one of those 12? No, uh, I'd got ushered out of the ground. I was in the main tier and a load of these other fans were behind the, the actual goal. Uh, and one of the stewards grabbed hold of my then girlfriend and started dragging her out the ground. And I started having to go with him. And I got a huge cheer from the, all the protesting fans. <laughs> that, you made, that's, you, that was a great story until you made it sound like a... a... Hey, uh, a Brexit meme. Uh, which one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My blind mother. Which one's to leave? And a huge cheer. <laughs> huge cheer. Yeah. Well, I didn't let you into the, the dressing room, the chairman's office, because you turned up in a Liverpool kit, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Like, dad used to get free tickets to Leicester. So. Um, 
maybe, you have to show your annoyance, don't you? Yeah, and like I said, like Sunday is the most angry I've been after a football game for a long mm. time. Mm. Maybe, maybe I'm becoming slightly uh, apoplectic in my old, older age and don't care. No, not. But I kind of think like these people need something else going on in their life. <laughs> to be fair, the, you they go as fans to support their team. Saturday three o'clock so you you cheer your team then and they have been going despite all the dribble that's been served up in recent years and there's only so much some can take so they're not booing the fans they're not booing the players during the game they're going to see the players afterwards it was a little I just think that they need more going on in their life essentially it's like this thing this thing what should they do write a strongly worded letter (sighs) no just get other hobbies so how do you show your annoyance to these people then what Care a little bit less, I think, is the more. <laughs> so you show your annoyance by not caring as much. Yeah. <laughs> That'll show him. Yeah. Well, it was like, like maybe I'm losing it, Chris. Maybe I'm the. Maybe in this case, it's, this is you and the calendar years, and I'm the one that's wrong. <laughs> but there was this thing that happened a couple of weeks ago for the as the end of the decade, where you have like fans from like multiple different clubs doing this whole sort of like over the last decade I've gone to 555 of 560 Everton games and they'd have like a photo of loads of tickets and be like this and then people going oh that's amazing and I just thought you need some other hobbies (laughs) why are you going to all these that's how much money and time and ah I don't think any player finds it productive to be booed while they're playing. So booing your team or booing a player while you're while they're playing on a Saturday isn't great form. So maybe the next thing to do is to go and see him at the training ground. Maybe not mob handy, like some sort of Simpsons angry mob outside Homer's front door. But, you know, maybe a little bit different. But where that. does it end? Because like I said, this isn't Naples. This isn't Argentina. The next step is turning up at people's houses or just or carefully reminding guilty citizen that they know where he lives like <laughs> well the roma fans did turn up at training once with a truckload of carrots because they thought the uh, the players played like donkeys the week before that's at least creative right there's a fun story to it. <laughs> it's really a lazio fan a lazio farmer a lazio carrot farmer somewhere <laughs> Who's rubbing his hands? Idiot Roma fan. <laughs> okay, right. The draw for the um, fourth round of the FA Cup has been made this week. Uh, so there's not an awful lot going on. Brentford are at home to Leicester. Mm. Burnley versus Norwich is an all Premier League tie. Uh, West Ham have got West Brom. That's the Fred Derby. Um, Chelsea have got an away game against the lower league club, which you don't see very often. And Manchester City, funnily enough, are drawn at home against the lower league team for the gazillionth time running. Oh, is this some sort of conspiracy theory? I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's huge coincidences over a long period of time. Heated balls, frozen balls. Yeah. Chris, what is it? Magnetic force fields? I, you see, I don't, I don't get the heated balls thing because, or the, because you're brushing your hands all in a, a, a giant plastic tub. So how are you going to feel the hot one or the cold one specifically when you're using the end of your fingernails or the, the tips of your fingers? Surely a heavier weighted ball. But maybe they can make them have slightly different textures, like one of them is like furry, but you can't see. <laughs> exactly, bright pink. Yeah. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Okay. Uh, well, the, the um, what else have we got? Oh, uh, Sadio Mane has won the African Player of the Year. Uh, he beat off challenge. Well, be, be beat off um, uh, Moses Salah and Riyad Mahrez had already been shortlisted. Fair enough. It's completely fair enough. I saw a fun bit where there was a thing where you could vote. There was a poll about it on Twitter, which I kind of hoped was the real one, but was probably just some sort of like, who do you think is going to win? And I really wanted every other club in the country to hijack it <laughs> and vote for Riyad Mahrez after Liverpool fans ruined everyone else's <laughs> Well, to be fair, Riyad Mahrez scored a incredibly good free kick to get his team to the African Nations final, at which they won. So you wouldn't begrudge him if they did win. Uh, it was, I only would have wanted it for the for the for the bands, as it were. <laughs> uh, the finger. <laughs> said the word bounce and there's no video in when this goes out. Adam meant that. There were no air quotes. <laughs> uh, Chelsea even sort of Jewish memorial at the ground. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, I just quite like this because like Chelsea is a a club renowned for his racist taxi drivers, right? Uh, amongst others, yes. <laughs> um, and they obviously have um, a Jewish owner yeah. Um, but have had ongoing problems with anti-Semitism. And I think that this is a, it's a memorial and um, not a memorial, sorry, a mural um, from a commissioned by a British Israeli artist uh, to mark Holocaust Memorial Day. Um, and <clears throat> like, this is like Chelsea's biggest rivals taught them they have a big problem with sort of interacting with them uh, twice a year. Yeah. This is a club that knows it has a problem. Is trying to do something about it, and I think it should. It's there to be. It's commendable. All right. Yeah, we certainly point these things out like we did earlier on when they go wrong. So it's only fair we do it when they go right. Um, the Kinefa World Cup is taking place in June. Um, and I think you kept a secret from me, isn't it? This is exactly what I kept a secret from. Yeah. You, otherwise, you'd have told me not to do it. Uh, the list of qualified teams has been announced this week. So, would you like to hear them? Um, I, can I guess them? Can you guess them? Go yeah. On. Um, is it um, uh, Fleet Street? Do they have another own team? No. No. Islington doesn't. Islington doesn't. That's <laughs> even bigger than Fleet Street, so that's a surprise. Um, whereas, like, the genuine actual country, like Papua New Guinea, do they have one? No. No. Uh... <sighs> Is Gerard Piquet going to play Catalonia? Do they have one? No, Gerard Piquet isn't going to play. No? Shall I tell you? Go on then, because I'm... You're going to struggle. The Shetland Islands, do they have a team? Shetland Islands are a team, but they haven't qualified. Oh, for fuck's sake, that was... How am I (laughs) actually getting a real team? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Western Sahara, uh, Mapuche, who are in South America, reigning champions, Carpatalea, who are the Hungarian uh, speakers in the Ukraine, South Ossetia, Darfur, Matabeliland, uh, Kabylia, Cascadia, which is uh, a region of uh, Canada and Northwest United States. So that's Kirsten's team from Unusual Efforts. Uh, the Chagos Islands, uh, Maria, which is the First Nations of um, Australia, uh, Punjab, Jersey, uh, Tamil Elan, which are the Tamil Tigers, um, the United Koreans in Japan, Western Armenia, and Kerno, Cornwall. 
What about Eastern? Was it Eastern Sahara? Did you say no? Western Sahara. What about Eastern Sahara? Sahara. Uh, that's not a disputed territory. Western okay. Sahara is. So yeah, uh, Tamil Tigers. I don't even remember drop the dead donkey uh, or the, 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 the not Tamil Tigers team. The Tamil team. Tamil Tigers were a terrorist group in that region for a long time. Um, but the lady on Drop the Dead Donkey thought they were a nice hockey team. Um, but yeah, Cornwall are there. They've made it. What about... Hold on. There's, there's only about four people who think that Cornwall's a disputed territory. It's got its own language. And its own culture. So is Essex, but we don't... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you know, Sharon. That's not a language. <laughs> It's not culture either, but it's something. <laughs> um, what about the? I'm not going to pronounce this right. Like the. Uh, Are you on the website? No, I just want to know if like the group that Meza Erzo got in trouble for, for supporting oh, the Uyghur people. Yeah, do they have a, a team? No, I don't think they do. Uh, there is a list. If you go to Wikipedia. There is a list of all the Khalifa nations on there. Okay. Um, I think Monaco are on there. What's disputed about Monaco? Because uh, they don't want to be a FIFA team because that would have implications for AS Monaco in Ligue 1. I see. So, it's yeah. A hard life, isn't it? Yeah, so um, I think in the last World Cup, there was a region of Pandania, which is a region of northern Italy. They had a couple of ex Serie A players playing for them. My problem is that most of these territories are made up. They're not made up. What was the one, in, was the one that's essentially Washington State? Uh, Cascadia. Well, there you go. It's called Washington. It's about three different it's states not, in America. None of them are trying to... It's Washington State and uh, British Columbia. I mean, if you think about it, everywhere's made up, isn't it? Every nation, every country is made up. Yeah. But every name is made up, really, isn't it? <laughs> At some point, there was nobody called very Adam. Sort of, very sort of meta in a minute. I'm just going to be looking. So, cup, cup. <laughs> cup. At some point, there was nobody in the world called meeting. Adam. At some point, there was nobody in the world called Adam, and then a couple had a baby and said, we'll call him Adam. Uh, did I, no, it wasn't a couple. Well, no, it was God, wasn't it? And, and yeah, Mr. I believe God. I was made in God's image. Okay, well, there was no, there was no child called Chris. You picked a bad example, Chris. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, are you rooting for Cornwall, then? Um, are you all about the First Nations of Australia? Where is this tournament taking place? North Macedonia. Is that a real place? I know that Macedonia is a place, but is it, so is it taking place in a, in a disputed territory? No, well, Cornwall put a bid in for it, and for some reason, I don't think they could hold it. Last time it was in London, so this time it's in North Macedonia. North Macedonia is what Macedonia used to be called till last year when they had a referendum and changed the name. So that's just a country that's changed its name? Yes, from the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia to North Macedonia. But there's no so, South Macedonia. South Macedonia is a region of Greece. Which is why they had to call themselves North Macedonia. Geography is confusing, right? Yeah. I got really, I read an article a little while ago about how um, I hadn't realised this, but because you kind of you've got your prison planet map, so you kind of like yeah. maps and maps, right? Yeah. But apparently, Google Maps is different depending where you are in the world. Okay. Because if you try and access Google Maps from certain places, like like India or something. Like, or Pakistan, like what they Kashmir will get treated differently because of sort of like they basically be generous to the place where you are. 
Uh, yes, I mean, maps are inherently political in themselves. So uh, the Mercator map, which is like the traditional one that we always look at, is hugely biased towards English countries. So if you look at the square mileage of something like France, or if you look at France on a map and then you look at something like Angola on a map, they look a similar size. If you look at the square mileage of the two separate countries, there's a huge, vast degree of difference. So various countries are over-exaggerated, like many well, European is, countries and Greenland. Which is being made abundantly clear to everyone when they plot, when you keep seeing these images on Twitter where yeah. they plot the size of the area of Australia that's on fire on England, and you realise that it's um, it's basically England. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you go look at your Mercator map afterwards and look at square mileages of countries or kilometres of countries, and it will blow your mind. Uh, right, okay, so um, there is bits and bobs. I feel like maps is your, is your particular nerdy wheelhouse. I love a map. Everyone loves a map. I've got a couple of map books upstairs, actually. I did once buy in a charity shop, I did buy a 1950s road atlas of the United Kingdom, which was fantastic, because all these roads that you take for granted weren't there. <laughs> the M1. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> uh, OK, so bits and bobs of leagues. Uh, Serie A is here this weekend. So Inter top uh, jointly with Juventus on 45 points, then Lazio 39, Roma 35. Um, Interplay Atalanta, Roma play Juventus, and Lazio play Napoli, who are down in eighth. Um, Seri, oh, sorry, La- Ligue 1 is back. I did say it was back last week. It's actually back this week. So uh, PSG are top on 45 points. Marseille 38, Rennes 33. Uh, Rennes and Marseille are playing at this very moment. The score is 0-0. Um, PSG are playing Monaco on Sunday night. Right, transfers. Cenk Tosin has gone to Crystal Palace on them. How do you feel yeah. about that? How do I feel about that? Yeah. Uh, good luck, Crystal Palace. Okay. <laughs> uh, I've got nothing against Czech Tosin. Uh, um, I think that he has a lot of very good attributes, but he doesn't have the attributes to be a success in the Premier League. You can't be a striker as immobile as he is in the Premier League in 2020. He was very good when he came two years ago. No, he wasn't. Was he not prolific for the first six months and no. then? No. No. Okay. Uh, Danny Drinkwater was recalled by Chelsea and then went straight on loan to Aston Villa. Uh, Rian Brewster has gone to Swansea on loan from Liverpool. Patrick Atroni tonight has gone back to Italy. He's gone to Fiorentina on loan, which I'm quite disappointed by. Uh, that's an 18-month loan. Um, bits and bobs of gossip. So, a lot of these involve Spurs, actually. Just to quickly, for you here, Chris, he scored nine Premier League goals for Everton in 41 appearances. He came in the January transfer window two years ago. Yeah. I think in that Just first six months, place. I think I worked out, but I think he's had like six different managers. <laughs> he might have caught. No, maybe he didn't catch the end of toast. Uh, maybe it's not as many as six. Maybe it's only four because he didn't catch Kuman. So he's just had Allardyce, Silver, Unsworth, <clears throat> and now Ancelotti. I'm sure in the first six months he scored quite a few goals and he's sort of dried up ever since. Five in 14. When he first started? Yeah. Okay. Not terrible. Not great. Uh, but then three in 25 the next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so based on Bob's of gossip, apparently both Chelsea and Spurs are after Thomas Lamar of Atletico Madrid on loan. Uh, Spurs are also after uh, Christophe Piontek of AC Milan and uh, Moussa Dembele of Lyon. Uh, to boost their striking options. Now Harry Kane is out injured. We should sign Mr. Dembele. He's very, very good. Sorry? 
They should sign Moussa Dembele. He's very, very good. A lot of teams have signed him from Celtic. They shouldn't have let him go to Leon. He's okay. No, I I mean, I think he would be good. I think he'd score goals in the Premier League. I watch a fair bit of Leon um, when they're on BT Sport, and I think he's doing okay now because he scored in the week in the cup. Now he's going to come out of Memphis Depay's shadow. And of course, Nabil Fekir has gone as well. So he's becoming more and more the main man. So if he can have a good few weeks, I reckon um, he could be an incredibly good player if he is given the love he needs to be that good player. Well, I, and I think that for Tottenham, he is a player, he would be a very good addition for Tottenham, I think. And I, the reason I say that is because um, this obviously Harry Kane injury is quite severe. He's reportedly out until April, which is... Very bad news for Tottenham. Jose Mourinho has come out today in his press conference saying Tottenham can't play the way Tottenham play without Harry Kane, which would be a problem if he's going to be out until April. Um, and this week has been a sort of a highlight reel for crappy talk radio where they can go talk about how Tottenham need to strengthen and they need, enough, <laughs> they need to do this and that. But we, we all know that it's sort of like, World class, well, one world class strikers don't grow on trees. Two, if you're playing one up front, oh, sorry, world class strikers don't sit on the bench. Yeah. So, talk radio there talking about how they need this backup who can challenge Kane, who can, like, who's like the, this mythical player who's world class but can challenge Harry Kane, but could sit on the bench, they just don't exist. A player no. like Dembele is um, not proven, but you can take a slight flyer on him, right? He's shown himself to to score goals everywhere he's been. He's young enough that he would want to take the step up. You probably would be relatively risk-free because of his youth. It sort of fits the, for me, he sort of fits the profile of a Tottenham signing. I'd rather have him than Piontek. He's had an absolute shocking season so far I mean he was brilliant last season awful so far this season to the point where they've had to sign a 39 million year old Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, Milan yeah. have so yeah okay I see your point there uh, Nathan Ake possibly to Chelsea or Arsenal um, and can I do Koulibaly Koulibaly possibly to Manchester United why he'd want to go there I don't know money 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 <laughs> yeah but there's better teams than that that can afford him. Well, but there have been better teams than that who could afford him for three or four years, right? Yeah. Kubali hasn't become some sort of world-class defender overnight. I'm, I've always... Every transfer window that comes and goes, especially every summer transfer window that's come and gone, uh, I've always been a little bit surprised that he ends up still a Napoli player. And it almost... Makes you almost makes you doubt yourself, right? Do you kind of know what I mean? Like, sort of like, what is it that they all know that we don't know? Um, maybe we can see why are all of these teams repeatedly not trying to buy him. He said many times he doesn't want to leave. I think the thing with, um, and a, and a few players have said this, it works either positively or negatively. Uh, it's a sort of Naples effect, yeah. It's a one city club, and it's not even a one city club, it's a club that. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a city, sorry, that's that sees itself as it's almost like it's like Liverpool, but without Everton. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. It's a club. It's a city that sees itself as not really part of Italy. 
Yes. Where um, the C is Naples, their agency is not Italian. And I can imagine in a city like that, if they like you, they really, really like you. Um, and and imagine that would be. And if they great. don't like you, they turn up at your outside your house. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. Just ask um, Fabio Quagliarella about that. Uh, but yeah, if if they like you, and you're a good servant for them, like Hula Valley has been, then um, it's a very very nice place to live. Climate must be nicer than Manchester as well. Pep's made it work for three nearly three years now, say. So. Climate four years actually, so the climate can't be can't affect them that badly. Get over it. Things are sort of fair, To be fair, Pe- Pepe had come from Bavaria, so I'm, oh yeah, it'd be better than Bavaria. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. So to the Premier League then. Um, it probably the main game of the weekend, Saturday evening. Uh, it's the Oyvind Leonardson derby, Liverpool versus Spurs. Um, we touched on Harry Kane. Um, out till April. Uh, Harry Kane and Ledley King. One thing they got in common is they both only played one thirty-eight games or one season of thirty-eight games in the Premier League. Right, that feels like a nothing stat to me. Oh really? Okay. Just because, isn't it more remarkable when a player plays a thirty-eight game season? I, I suppose it. maybe I wrote that down. Outplayed. I stole it from I stole it from Duncan Alexander, so maybe I wrote it down. Well, I, I'm just thinking that nowadays it seems more more of a surprise that a player plays a 38 game season than than a than not. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm trying to think of a player who's reliable, never gets injured. Um, it's been someone like Lewis Dunk or someone, isn't it, or Shane Duffy or someone? I was trying to think of a better player than that, but <laughs> never uh, Jordan Henderson. He doesn't, he doesn't play a oh, lot. We said better he than that. Virgil van Dijk. Van Dijk. I can't remember him being injured an awful lot for Liverpool. Um, okay. Well, while you get Googling, I will tell you that 366 Premier League teams have ended the season with fewer points than Liverpool have after 20 so far this season. Um, that's not a bad snap. Doesn't, doesn't make me feel good. Oh, you like Jürgen Klopp as a jolly bouncy German manager, don't you? Where everybody loves... Did you see his press conference today? No. What did he say? This uh, I'm not, not enjoying this googling because it has suggested that uh, Van Dyke played all very. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened in Klopp's press conference today? Uh, he was talking about did Jose. Someone sit, did someone sit on a whoopee cushion and he made a hilarious <laughs> joke about it, as, as the Germans are known to do? <laughs> a crazy sense of humour. Um, Someone was talking about, uh, he was talking about Jose Mourinho and uh, what position he played as a goalkeeper uh, uh, when he was a player. He thought he was a goalkeeper. Uh, he got one of the journalists to Google it. Because nobody in the journalists, none of the journalists in the room knew. We all had a jolly little golf clubhouse banterous laugh with him. Uh, someone Googled it and he's a midfielder. And he went, sorry, Jose. Ha, ha, ha. With his big teeth that he does. You oh. loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> no mask slip in there. No. Uh. Uh, okay, so meanwhile, there's, there's a journalist in the crowd getting his jollies off because he's Googled something for Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> he was telling his grandchildren about that. Uh, Jose versus Klopp has only won two out of ten, and Liverpool versus Spurs have won nine, drawn four, last, and lost one of the last 14. Of which, uh, uh, sorry, Spurs have won nine. Oh, fucking hell. Right. Liverpool versus Spurs. Okay. Uh, their last 14 games. They've won nine, drawn four, lost one. Okay. 
and they are un- unbeaten in eight games in London. How do you think this one's going to go? Well, Liverpool are really good. They win lots of games. And Spurs are missing loads of players and haven't played very well and don't keep clean sheets. I think it kind of speaks for itself. This has got Jose uh, Chelsea versus Liverpool in April 2014 written all over it, hasn't it? What's Denver Bar up to? <laughs> Emergency loan signing. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like Delhi Alley and Son Hu Min and playing sort of part of a 10 man defence with Toby and, uh, and Jan. Liverpool um, comfortably. All right, no worries. Okay, uh, Sheffield United versus West Ham is being played right now. Crystal Palace versus Arsenal is the early BT Sport game with the Edmund Goldrick derby. Um, Crystal Palace uh, are one point ahead of Arsenal. I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> staggering silence there afterwards. It's um, almost like Arsenal aren't very good. That's true. Uh, well, Luka Milivojevic is suspended for this, so you know that someone else has got to take up the free kick and. So, so that has to score the goal, not just, not just <laughs> score the goal. Yeah, apparently, um, uh, Arsenal beat Leeds 1-0 in midweek in the F- or in, on Monday in the FA Cup. Apparently, uh, Arteta had to get the hairdryer out for the first time. So he's having to do that after four games? Yeah, it doesn't feel great, does it? No. No, exactly. Uh, Palace are unbeaten in three versus Arsenal. Um, the return game, do you remember this return leg? It was like some weird VAR, wasn't it, That uh, at, at the Emirates where it was a penalty or something. It should have been a free kick to Arsenal that ended up being given a penalty to Palace. James Tompkins fell on top of an Arsenal player who fouled a, uh, fouled a Palace player. Do you remember that? I do not. It was like 93rd minute or something like that. And Mr. DT got very angry outside. Who got very angry outside? Mr. DT. The Arsenal oh. fan TV guy. That moron. Yeah. Uh, Aubameyang um, in London derbies averages a goal or assist every 88 minutes um, I think that, like, I was looking at the Premier League injury table a minute ago because when we were talking about Man City and I was seeing, checking on uh, Aguero he's not listed as injured I think Crystal Palace are currently listed as having 12 injuries Ooh. so um I think this is a, including Zaha, but he's scheduled to come back tomorrow. So um, I think this is going to be a team down to their bare, a team down to their bare bones and some sort of uh, Roy Hodgson, uh, very organised, drilled defensively. Like it's, this is going to take sort of. We'll see whether Arteta's been able to instill anything into this Arsenal team so that they can create anything. Okay. Um, I can very much see this being nil nil, one 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 nil. I think this will be a low scoring affair. All right. Um, Chelsea versus Burnley in the John Harley derby. Uh, Chelsea have not won at home in a month. Uh, no Ashley Barnes or Jay Rodriguez, so they might be one up front with Chris Wood. Chelsea haven't won at home in a month. Yeah. Um, games is that though? Do we know? Sorry, I always come at you with a difficult question. You never, you never, you never guess what I'm going to ask from the thing, and then have the have the answer ready. I think you look at that and go, "What's Adam going to pick out of this one?" That's on. I'm just intrigued to know whether that is actually a lot of games. Uh, it could be. I mean, they've had a couple of weeks off because of the um, because of the cup, haven't they? 
Well, just yeah, it doesn't take long to play. You don't have to. You don't, it's not like the olden days, right? Where it's a, a game away from home, a game at home. It doesn't take lots for you to. That only might only be one game. Okay. I'm probably wrong. I'm trying to find it. I can't remember. No, it's, the stat has gone. Um, yeah, so Burnley, Chelsea won this 4-2 in the reverse fixture at Burnley. Christian Pulisic has got a hack trick. So he's got, uh, Christian Pulisic has got uh, three goals in five shots versus Burnley against the other 18 teams in the Premier League. He's got two goals in 35 shots. Um, get him on the board to have, to have a crack then, eh? This is, this is a game that's made for Pulisic up front, having 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 tee off every opportunity he gets. You think just take pot shots from every which way? Maybe they just yeah. keep him just for this game every year. Pardon? Maybe they just keep him for this game every year. Yeah. <laughs> just just roll him out a little bit like um a little bit like Luis Suarez and against Norwich if you had the opportunity to now. I reckon he can still do some damage even now. Fair enough. Uh, okay, uh, Everton versus Brighton. Uh, this is actually the Gareth Barry derby. Uh, Everton beaten in five versus Brighton, and Everton at home have cut nine clean sheets out of their last fifteen. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to be playing with. It's going to be a, a difficult crowd for them at Goodison Park, um, because people are pissed. Uh, Twitter is very ang- still angry. I can't remember the last time that uh, sort of Everton Twitter has been this ang- still this angry after a, a defeat. Is Everton Twitter normally quite a rational thing? Mm. It's different. I would say no, but I'm also not involved in any. Obviously, I have. I'm involved. I see general football Twitter, but I don't see other Twitters, and you only see the worst parts of. <laughs> of everybody else's everyone else's right so uh i'm not going to say but i think that it's particularly any more rational than anyone else okay. um, but yeah people are pissed i've heard i've seen a lot of i've seen little clips of people phoning into where talk sport or stuff like that and you hear people talking about uh, about it and People are going to want a reaction on on Saturday, and they are going to have to get out there and play in the opening sort of twenty minutes of this game. And to because the the normally you, you expect a home game, right? Like you said earlier about sort of the booing. Your default position is normally the fans are behind you, and you lose them by playing badly. Yeah, they're not going to have that on Saturday. The default position is going to be all right. Show us what, show us what you've got. Um, let let's let's see what they're they're made of because you, there is a lot of there's a lot to worry about in that squad in terms of like the the for me for the lead like the performance on Sunday said a lot about sort of. The character and the leadership, and less about the talent. Some of the, there are players there who we need to get rid of. Everyone knows that. There are players there who people think are good enough and are very talented. But football teams are about more than just getting the eleven most talented players on the pitch. And yeah, 
and I'm not I'm also sort of scared of this game because last time I talked like last time I was on the pod talking about the reverse reverse fixture this was the the VAR catastrophe where they gave that stupid penalty against um, oh yes against Michael Keane and uh, I gave this is where I, I think I gave up on Burnley um, on Brighton after I'd been up on them all season and then <laughs> they've shown me to be a fool since then um, on them so I'm back on board you're on the Brighton bus I'm on the Brighton bus apparently um, Duncan Ferguson gave the players a bit of a Duncan Ferguson hairdryer at half time at Anfield and some of the players stood up back to him and blamed uh, on the tactics yes yeah She's both very brave uh, and possibly unfair. I don't know. Um, I would say unfair. I don't know, but I, I don't want to get because I will go into an anger. But I like. I assume we both watched the same the game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Everton were the better team in the first half, right? They just didn't finish. They had a lot of opportunity. They could have if they'd gone in two goals up. People wouldn't. I don't think people would have been surprised. I'm not saying they absolutely bossed it, but they had the better chances. I can't remember. You're probably. Oh no! Um, did Liverpool score early, and then you had a few chances after that? No, that was in the. You oh scored, no, they didn't score in the second half. Yes. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, the, the 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 there was a couple of really good saves from Adrian. There was the Dominic Calvert Lewin uh, diving header that. Yeah. He missed. There was the whole gate. Yes, header. Adrian played very well. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If Everton had gone into up two 0 so I to blame the tactics at half time is crazy to me. That what the, what lost Everton that game was a lack of focus, heart. I don't know what, but that second half performance was just unacceptable. Like any player who is deciding to try and take that route is just I it, I don't I don't like to normally be these sort of ang- <laughs> this angry because I just talked about not caring that much. You're going to same colour as your T-shirt. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of like them to name names. To, like, I'd like Duncan Ferguson to come out and say who these players were, and then I wanna, I'd want them gone. All right. Can you guess? Can you guess three of them? No. Seamus, I mean, someone like Seamus Coleman maybe as captain might have said something. Maybe. But... It's a very big statement as captain to come out and say this is the tact where the tactics are wrong, not not the effort at a manager who's managing in his fourth game. Yeah. In a in a first half that you should could have you should where you're not losing and you should have come in. Was it a half time or was it a full time? Like I heard it was half time. Maybe I'm I heard wrong. It would make more sense if it was at full time. Yeah. Um, and even if it was like, then you're a bit, you you're just very you're not very self aware, and your ability to analyse it like it makes me ask a lot of questions about the individual. It's very hard to analyse games in the heat of the moment at half time or full time, isn't it? As I imagine that I heard Gordon Strachan say once that he never used to. Tell the players off after a game. He used to sleep on it, and if he still felt rotten about it the next day, he would then have a go at them. Yeah, and it's a little bit like the Clive Woodward uh, school of thought when he would talk about a halftime where he would still he would never give the players more than free instructions because yeah. 
they're basically three bullet points because like they can't take on yeah any more than that because they're physically exa- they're tired ty- not only are they physically tired they're playing a game like there's only so much you can do with them right yeah um yeah i get that i get that but uh yeah i'd love to know who they were <laughs> Uh, right, we've got two more games. We've got Wolves versus Newcastle in a Tamuke Spire derby. Uh, back-to-back Premier League losses for Wolves, but um, Newcastle... Newcastle! Yeah, looking at the list of injuries on the Premier League website for Newcastle, it went on into two paragraphs, which I've never seen before. Let me consult my table. Newcastle. 15! Yes. It's even more than Crystal Palace. Yeah. Very so why they finished the game two weeks ago with 10 men, so... Um, I'm going to go Wolves for this one. Before I, I'd have gone with Wolves before I knew that there were 15 <laughs> players missing. But yes, I would also go with 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 that, with that as well. One of them is Andy Carroll though, so he's permanently on there. That's true. Uh, I wonder if he goes down to 60 pounds a week, statutory sick pay after a while, Andy Carroll. <laughs> uh, finally, Bournemouth versus Watford. Um, is this the first relegation six pointer of the season? Watford are starting to play, foot, play a bit of football now, though, aren't they? Yeah, well, I tell you, Nigel Pearson's last 14 Premier League games in charge, so of course this overlaps into Leicester, um, he's gained 32 points. So that's 10 wins, two draws, two losses. Uh, and Watford are unbeaten in the Premier League at Bournemouth's ground. So he's no mug, is he, Nigel Pearson? He, he knows how to manage a football team. Um, he does come across as a mug, though, doesn't he? He does come across as an absolute mug, yeah. He's but, better PR. <clears throat> Um, yes. Watford have a lot of injuries as well. Ten injuries according to this. Danny Marvick, as well, don't they? Tom Cleverley, Daryl Yamat, Will Hughes. Um, they've still got Delafeo, right, haven't they? So anything's possible. Give it to Delafeo and Dini. Yeah, it's just Delefe- they just a, a Delafeo esque, just sort of he can do the same job that Pulisic can do. Just give it to him another time. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think Bournemouth have got quite a few players injured, haven't they? Let's consult the list nine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think Bournemouth are doomed, personally. I think this is Watford win. Do you think, when you say Bournemouth are doomed, Bournemouth are doomed, doomed, or Bournemouth are just not in this game? Well, you doomed, think... doomed. I think it's Norwich, Bournemouth, and one other. Yeah. I think. We'll have to wait and see. Well, that's the, 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 the mystery of it all. Apart from who we know who's won, we just don't know who's gone down. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we don't know who's won. We do know who's won. No, 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 no. And uh, <laughs> I'm brief and intellectually, you know that because you just you just <laughs> fell for it. It's just <laughs> taking a second to, to readjust and realise what you'd said. Yeah, no. We are a Virgil van Dyke hamstring away from not winning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Well, that brings to the end of our Premier League roundup. Brings to the end of our podcast. Unless you got anything you want to add, do you? Um, I don't think so. No. No. Cool. Right. Okay. Uh, we are at Man on the Post on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on there. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, we you can download us from Acast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, if you like me here, you can rate and review us uh, and leave a lovely five star review because that helps boost us up the uh, iTunes ratings and makes us more accessible to other people. Um. Adam, if you want to follow you, how do they do that? Uh, Adam, I say 101, but I mm-hmm. will point out that it's become a very pedantic place where I'm 
taking on the internet for being idiots and wrong. So, <laughs> actually, you did make me laugh quite a lot this week. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> for the first time, very, very <laughs> for the first time in knowing me. Excellent. Yeah, first time ever your tweet made me laugh out loud. So, um, and uh, there will be uh, Dave and Chris back talking about what we've been previewing here on Sunday night. So, thank you so much, Adam. No worries. And always remember to keep your man on the post.